Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I've got on um, one of my buddies who you guys, if, if you've been following along with uh, with Southern Ground since the beginning, um, you probably know this name, Michael Pike. Mike, how's it going, buddy? Long time. Uh, it's, going, it's going good. Yeah, it's been a, been a good bit of time, hasn't it? It has. Uh, a lot of things have happened. A lot of uh, a lot of life changes happen, and currently you're uh, you're not even in Alabama, right? No, I am in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, right now. You just retired, retired early. Yeah, I'm taking a few months off. <laughs> off of life. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I talked to you earlier and showed you the view I got out the back door of my SUV. I was pretty pretty sick. So what made you decide to do that, man? Just hit the road for a few months. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, years and years ago, like almost 20 years ago now, I moved out to uh, Aspen, Colorado to work at Ski Resort and got the first taste of uh, the Rockies. And um, ever since then, I've just had that itch. And the itch has just gotten stronger and stronger, and I had to scratch it. Man. That's fun, man. Are you having a good time so far? Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's been a really good trip so far. It's awesome. I haven't really run into too many hiccups. So that's that's always good. Dude, let's talk about this. So we're doing you're doing this solo big solo trip. I went out solo to uh Wyoming last year for turkey season. And Yeah. The West like I've done a lot of solo trips down south, you know, um here in Alabama. I've done uh, Kentucky solo, Tennessee solo, Georgia, um, but it's different out west, man. Like you kind of really find out what you're made of as a man when you go spend some time alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I told you earlier, I was like, this camp spot is definitely uh, I'm gonna get eaten by a bear. Like, there's <laughs> no question about it. Like, uh, there were signs and. I mean, I, I came over Beartooth Pass, and it said this is grizzly country. And, and you know, I, pre- I was pretty sketched out for, like, the first day. And then, you know, I'm out there at night shooting astrophotography in the dark. <laughs> so, <laughs> but over here, I, I saw a couple of more signs and uh, talked to, to somebody, and they said there's two grizzly bears over here that frequent this area. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure one of them was that campsite out. I came to first. I turn around and come back down the hill just to, just a little bit. I actually have better views here, so that's nice. <laughs> so, are you seeing like bear sign? Is that why you think it was right there? Oh, uh, it just from, so I've seen two grizzly bears so far uh, in Yellowstone, and 
it, it looked like the same exact habitat that I was seeing those in. I'm just like, I don't know. This just looks very bearish. And I don't, I'm not even, you know, up to, you know, I guess I don't, I'm not very knowledgeable of anything to do with bears. Yeah. Uh, we don't have, we don't really have to deal with bears back home. I mean, maybe in like Northeast Alabama or something like that. And there's a few spots in between, but I mean, the mi- amount of miles that we've probably covered and never seen a bear, at least I have it. I don't know if you have in the woods. I've um, seen, I've seen one but, in Florida or two in Florida. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Florida's a different story. I think, yeah. I think there's a good bit, a good bit of, you know, bears down there, there in Georgia, in Tennessee. So, yeah. but this is, I, it just looked, it just looked like if I went outside to take a leak that y'all may ne- never hear from me again. So <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I talked to Dave Owens about it um, when I went on that Western trip by myself and, you know, Dave, guys like Dave, he comes across as kind of like fearless almost um, like you can't imagine him, you know, kind of freaking out about being out in the woods in the dark. Um, he just never has given me that vibe anyway. But when he was telling me about, you know, being out there, you just really find out what you're made of. Like it's, it's yeah, it's not an easy thing <laughs> to be out there by yourself. So kudos to you on that, man. Sounds like it's a it's a heck of a trip, though. Um, yeah, I think I've covered ten states so far, so um, that's it, there's a lot to be seen, uh, you know, in that amount of driving. I think I've covered, let's see here, two thousand five hundred and thirty four point seven miles so far, and then I've been on the road for eight days. Wow, man, that's a uh, that's cool. And no showers, no showers. I need a shower. I need a hot shower. <laughs> Well, you've camped with me before. You know that I ain't, I ain't scared of that. I don't hurt my feelings. Too yeah, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. I'm just wondering for everybody else's sake. Because, like, I mean, you know, you get used to your own smell. I'm just wondering, is everybody else picking up on this? Like, I mean, I've used some of those dude wipes, but that can only, you know, get you so far. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's wondering the same thing that I wondered whenever you first uh, told me you were doing this. Is this going in? It's like... Like, it, does hunting at all relate to this trip, or is it just completely unrelated? Yeah, so I've caught a lot of flack for that. I have zero hunting gear. Well, I take that back. I have, uh, you know, a lightweight puffy jacket and uh, a hoodie, and, and that that's it. Besides my uh, besides my Loa uh, hiking boots, uh, there's no absolutely no hunting gear. Uh, in this vehicle, what I did is decided to, uh, buy a new camera and, uh, basically just come out here and kind of document and take a bunch of pictures of everything. So now there is a, a plan that possibly later in the fall, I might meet up with some people and go for a hunt and actually have them bring me my gear out. But that's to be seen so far i don't i don't really know what the future holds i don't know how far my money will take me is that the same potential hut that i'm going to be on possibly yeah okay (laughs) do your listeners know about it yet or no (laughs) no okay no no we can't talk about it um but dude what happened man like i like it seems like you kind of took the year off of hunting 
I did. Why? Yeah. Tell me. Tell us well, about it. You, well, you know as good as I do how hard we went. Yeah. For gosh, probably the last eight years. I mean, I've just been going. It it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy at all. And with the standards that I'd put on myself, it just got to where I just did not enjoy it anymore. You know, I was passing up decent deer, and I think it got to the point, like, especially after, you know, missing, I think that one year, like maybe two years ago, three years ago, I missed like three good bucks that probably would have went over 130. Now, some of those were in different states, but I mean, it was a year that just really wrecked me. Uh, I had that one really good year. Remember when we went up to North Alabama for the doe hunt that, that season, uh, I, I tagged out on bucks that year in our state, but I, that may have been the same year that I'd missed all of those good ones in different states. But after was. that, I think it was, it was after, like Alabama, you're crushing them. And then the other states, it was just not happening. Yeah. It was just one after the other. I was, <laughs> that was not, well, it, it was my year and it wasn't at the same time, but I don't know. I think I just, I went too hard and it just took all the fun out of it. Like I said, I just put too much, um, I don't know, what word, what word am I looking for? Help me out. No, you just, it, just, it became your priority. It, you became addicted to it in not a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, so. it, and, and dude, do you know what's so hard about that is putting all your eggs into the basket of a wild animal? <laughs> like something as unpredictable exactly. as a freaking, like... Like you're better off trading stocks, you know what I mean? <laughs> like getting into that. Very habit. similar, yes, because because I've tried that too, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know it it's you know fifty fifty. It's a fifty chance. You know it, it's better to be lucky any day, and um, you know you can you can do things to improve your odds, but ultimately, I mean, you just got to be in the right place at the right time. That's right. And, I've never focused too much on the, on the rut portion. Like, I guess, well, I don't know. That could be totally wrong. No, I think I know what you're saying, Mike. You're saying you've never put your focus in that because it's a different game and it requires a little less strategy. Yeah, exactly. In my opinion, it requires a different strategy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I like finding where the deer are and how they're moving, what they're eating on, that kind of thing. But I'm focused solely on the buck portion of it. And when it comes to the rut, all of that flips on its head and you've got to focus on what are the does doing. And I've never I've never really spent as much time doing that like I should have. I think a lot of people are can be a lot more successful by focusing on the does learning their patterns, learning where they are, and then focusing on that just in that short little burst of uh, rut action we have in certain places in Alabama. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're that's, – that's exactly – you know as well as I do, I kill – I like to kill a bunch of does. And 
And part of that is figuring out where they're at, you know, um, early season. That's about, <laughs> you also know this in Alabama, big woods, early season is, is, it is, it, it requires a bunch of skill to get good at it, but it's mostly luck. Like you just, it's so, it's <laughs> so difficult. And well, and I, I'll, let me interrupt you here real quick. I think that that's where me and you are different and you're really good when it comes to the rut. And you, I mean, you will knock down three bucks within like a two week span every single year. Um, me, not so much me. I honestly get on more deer, more, more bucks in probably the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Then, then I do the rest of the year. Like last, last season I hunted, Let's see here. I think the the month of October and then maybe like two to four days in November and that was it for my whole season. Do you think you, uh, but you think I saw, do you think your odds went up in that early season because you're moving around a lot? Uh no, I think it's because I focused on one particular um let's see one particular feature in in the mountains and i'm sure all of your hardcore listeners and and diehard mountain hunters will will know without me even saying uh i almost hesitate to even say what it is but i'll i'll go ahead and throw it out there i don't even know i don't even know if i'm going you know i don't know how much i'm going to do this year back home but Focus on the bluff gaps. Oh, yeah. Early season, like clockwork. I had, let's see, maybe like eight cameras out. And now a few of them were duds. A few of them, for whatever reason, they did not use. And I don't know if it had to do with, you know, their more of their bedding location and did it provide enough for these bachelor groups. But I had three or four different bachelor groups all using the same bluff gap, you know, like one group had like five or six bucks in it and they would come through like, like clockwork 30 minutes before dark, you know, 30 minutes to an hour after uh, daylight, you know, they did, they were so consistent the first three weeks of the season that I was just blown away. I know for a fact that if I was to go to those same spots this year and if they lit up like that, I mean, I would have probably, I I could probably have multiple bucks down in the first, you know, few weeks if, you know, everything worked out as far as wind, thermals, that kind of thing. Cause that's what's going to get you in those locations. Dude, what, um, everything you're saying to me, it's like, and I understand exactly where you're at, uh, and I understand where it comes from. Like we spend so much of our time in this, in is uh, like this time of year, thinking about it, thinking about our our strategies. If I would have just done this last year, you know. And to me, that's the thing that kills me is when I set a high expectation for myself, and I start to not meet it, and then I start really working to try to meet it, like working too hard to try to do that. It, putting too much pressure yes. on my own self. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I do that in the early season all the time. I wear myself out. For, for sure. Um, last season, I passed uh, two two decent bucks. And when I say decent, you know, something you would have shot with your bow, like around 100 inches. Yeah. Uh, but I knew what else was in the area. And I did not want to, you know, go ahead and and screw it up on, you know, one of the smaller to medium sized deer that were in, you know, some of these bachelor groups. But um, I never, well, I take that back. I did end up seeing one of the shooters. And actually, uh, so let me tell you this too. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there too. And I may catch a lot of hate for it, but for some of you that don't know what you're doing, um, in some particular areas, these deer were using the bluff gaps, but I always assumed that they were bedding up top and dropping down in the evening through the bluff gap. Uh, that's not what was happening. During the first three weeks of the season, because the temperatures are so hot, they were bedded up against the bluff wall, and they were coming up out of the bottom and feeding on top and then dropping back down in the morning. And so what I did is I was going along the top of this bluff wall and easing down through here, um, probably maybe about 500 yards from the bluff gap. And I come down through there and I'm scanning everything, you know, kind of looking, I don't see anything and take a few more steps. Uh, I'm, you know, kind of, kind of waiting around just, you know, kind of easing through and stopping every once in a while and resting. And I stopped to rest and, and look at a, look at my map and, you know, like it always happens as soon as you stop, they get a little bit spooky. And as soon as I started up again, uh, one of the smaller six points and this big 10 point jump up out of a little, all it was was like four or five cedars together. And they're not big cedars when I'm, saying cedars i'm talking about like four to five foot tall maybe just a, a hair taller than that and they were just bedded up against those probably about 20 yards off the edge of the bluff wall and hmm. they took off I, it was both seasons so i had my bow but they had just got you know a little too far out of range so i looped around and because i knew they wouldn't go too far so i my loop was about a half a mile down and then cross over the creek and then a half a mile back up to where I was on the opposite side, but not the side that they were, you know, realizing I was going to be on. And I went to another bluff uh, gap on the other side and I eased off and set up uh, probably about 50 yards from the bluff gap and my thermals were going to be dropping i was so i had a feeder creek that fed in so I, I knew my thermals were going to drop down and they were going to kind of go farther down past where they were at and then keep on going so but what happened was because i spooked them they went down just a little bit further and so dark came my thermals started dropping i could hear them coming up the the creek on the other side the same side that i spooked them off of 
they came up, they crossed right where the feeder Creek comes in and they were fine there. But then the wind switched and it kicked right in the back of my head and went straight to them and got busted. And Hmm. so that was kind of that story, but you know, it kind of paints a picture for, you know, how the setup was for that early season and, you know, what could potentially work for you. Whether you're looking for a new knife for the field or the perfect everyday carry, you've got to check out Join or Die Knives from Richmond, Virginia. Join or Die is a small shop and a custom knife maker dedicated to creating handmade knives that are cut above the rest. They make custom handmade knives to fit any need from the field, the kitchen, or just an everyday carry. And they come in several different steel and finish options. They've also got a ton of options for the handle as well. Plus, if you don't see something you like, you can always order a completely custom knife forged to your exact specs. I highly recommend you check them out. Get yours at joinordieknives.com and use the code SGHUNT to save 10%. That's all uppercase, all one word, S-G-H-U-N-T. This episode is brought to you by Bowtech the industry leader in cutting-edge archery technology. Now, I've got to tell you about the new line of bows for this year, especially the new Carbon One, which is what I'm going to be taking in the woods this fall. The Carbon One is equipped with Bowtech's game-changing technology, the Deadlock Cam System, designed to be the quickest and easiest way to achieve perfect aeroflight without the use of a bow press. The strategically engineered carbon riser paired with the orbit dampeners will have this bow feeling completely dead in your hands. And if the Carbon 1 isn't your style, Bowtech has a solid line of other new bows for 2023, like the SS34, the CP30, and the SX80. You can see Bowtech's full selection by visiting bowtecharchery.com today. Yeah, I think I found... um early season, even with those, uh, I, I typically find them coming out of the, out of the bottoms. And it's almost like you, like I'll see them come up to the tops occasionally, especially if I'm on like a feed tree or something like that, but it's almost never from top to bottom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just kind of what you're saying, like I, usually coming up, uh, and, and it's easy think, to assume that they cross somewhere and maybe they do sometimes, but I think they bed down low a lot more than people think. Yeah. And especially in your case, uh, they're not, they're not catching pressure from, from that one particular area. It acts as like, kind of like a back wall. Yeah. And it's also cooler too. So it just makes (laughs) more sense altogether for them to, you know, to come up from there. Well, dude, I, um, this year, it's funny you say that this year I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm still going to be boat hunting. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to be water access hunting. Um, but I'm going to hunt a little different as well. Um, just because like I did it during turkey season. Like I, on these out of state hunts, I don't always water access on out of state hunts, but I do for the most part here at home because it's just what I like. You know what I mean? It's just kind of become the normal. That's just where I hunt. Whatever. But during turkey season this year, I didn't even use the boat, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do the same. I'm I'm still gonna use it, but just a lot less this year. But I think for the early season stuff, like what you're talking about, that's part of the draw for me, is because there's just so much. There's a lot of food sources right there, up close to water. Temperature is a little cooler, close to water. Um, 
I, I do think that it makes a difference when in the early season they're used to the deer are used to a lot more noise on the water uh, with people. You know what I mean? Fishermen, people out on their for sure their lake houses and and river boats and crap like that. Um, whereas during the fall, I mean, you're usually the only person on the water any given day. Uh, right. And so I, I like that. I like that um, deal. But you you also mentioned that about about rut hunting. Like, yeah, I I typically kill my deer during the rut, but I'm like you in that I really. To me, it's such a different style of hunting that I feel like I know how to do pretty well. That most of my yep. preparation, most of my time scouting, is trying to figure out things that I can do during the majority of the season, which is usually early season or late season. And and in a lot of ways, they hunt very similar. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm a lot better late season too. I, I usually go. I'm on. I'm on bucks really early, and then. I struggle through the rut and everybody around me, you know, they're killing all these big deer and I see the big deer. Now, I mean, you know, as well as I do, (laughs) I'm definitely not the best shot in the world. And I miss my fair share each year, usually at least one or two, but sometimes three (laughs) with the rifle. I'm a lot better shot with the bow. That one year I killed I think two out of the three with a bow and, you know, missed, missed three with a gun. So Michael, I blame you for my problems. I don't know if you know that or not, but <laughs> I do know that. Cause I think, I think you texted me one day and you were like, I think, I think you rubbed off on me or something. <laughs> well, I remember the day extremely well. Me and you recorded an episode and you were talking about how you it's not seeing the deer or having the encounters with the deer. It's making the shot. And I was like, and I didn't even mean it in any way, like intentionally arrogant. And I was like, you know, I don't usually like, I struggle more with the encounters. Usually if I get a shot off, it's, it's a done deal. And dude, from that point forward, man, my whole life has changed. (laughs) Well, what's, what's really funny is I got the same, uh, same comment from, Andrew and Jacob because Andrew missed a booner uh, last season and Jacob showed me the uh, the pictures and stuff for the video of it and it's a it's a big old deer and Andrew missed it and they're they're like well <laughs> so much for that like because they were tack drivers and you know I mean they did not miss and and they thought the same thing that kind of rubbed off on Andrew maybe a little bit I so I just uh just uh, people might remember me talking about a deer that I I had shot at last year and uh it was right after I'd had the second bout of kidney stones and it was the day my boat motor broke and I missed a a really big deer at like 10 yards with my rifle on the off side like an off uh weak side shot right underneath me he ran out to about 30 yards and stood there for 30 seconds just in the wide open and my gun had jammed and, uh, and I couldn't ever get another shot off on him. Well, I, I kind of just got the, um, the nerve to look, look at this video, like in depth, uh, just cause I knew how big the deer was. I saw him very clearly. And so I just got the nerve to do it. Um, 
you know, I was sick afterwards and I watched the footage, but just not, not real well. And so I, uh, I put together a little clip of it and I saw more angles of this buck than I had ever seen before. And so here I am nine or 10 months later, dude, just like sulking hard, just in a, in a bad place (laughs) thinking about this buck that I missed. Um, and then he just stood there, dude. He just stood there for like 30 seconds. I just sent you the clip of it. So after we record, after we finish this, you need to check that out. It's funny. Okay. It's it, it's heartbreaking though, when you see how long it, how long it actually stood there just waiting to get shot, and you can hear me fiddling with my gun. <laughs> um, but dude, it's just it, it, when you do that, like I'm right there with you, dude. Like there's points in my life where. It, within my hunting career that I can remember and this year being one of them where it was just like, dude, I just want to quit. Like I, I've yeah. put too much of my heart and soul into this and it's just, it's just a, a heartbreak. That's all it is. It's just a freaking heartbreak. And my family's struggling. My work is struggling. Everything's struggling because I have this, this thing that I'm chasing so hard and it's just killing me. And uh, it's important, man, to get to get kind of get back in the right headspace. You know what I mean? Yep, I I totally agree with that. It's, uh, have you there found was a lot of things that a lot of things that changed for me uh, during the last two years? And so I know that my hunting it kind of took that priority. And you know, I could have done a few things a little bit better you know, in my life with work, family, that kind of thing. And just the joy of hunting, you know, when you place that kind of um, pressure on you to succeed, it just takes the fun out of it. So I think if anybody's in that same boat, you know, don't, I mean, you, you feel this pressure to, you know, I guess make everybody else proud or uh you know i really don't know it's it's weird what word it's like it's like you know it's like most people most people are 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 pretty selfish people right and hunting is a pretty selfish sport when we post something on facebook it is like a lot of people are going to be just jealous more than anything. They might tell you congrats, but a lot of people are, and you can tell just on social media, the way that our natural instinct is to be jealous and to come up with a reason why, you know, so-and-so, well, they, that one was over corn or that one was blah, 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 or that one was whatever. But it's like, it really, it really hurts your ego when you see everybody else you feel like everybody else posting pictures of these big deer and you know like man i just had one right in my fingertips and i couldn't make it happen and it it sucks man it's 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 a crappy feeling and everybody can say as much as they want that they don't do it for that but it does it is a a hard pill to swallow sure well it's kind of like what i'm doing right now you know, I'm going to be posting all of the great clips, but you're not seeing, uh, you're not seeing my butt get tore up by these black flies and mosquitoes, and yeah. uh, you're, you're not seeing me go dig a hole to take a, uh, take a deuce in, or you know, having to 
carry around my bear spray and make sure I don't get eaten by a bear. And, you know, there's a lot of things, all this traffic I've had to deal with going through Yellowstone. I took a three-hour detour just to get around so I could avoid the traffic. I took, I was halfway to Old Faithful, which I, to get down here, it was like a route that was going to be the quickest. And I got halfway and I was like, we came to a dead stop for about 10 minutes. And I was like, no, I was like, this is not going to work. And so I turned around and backtracked where I just came from. I took a six minute video clip of me driving about 35, 40 miles an hour back from where I just came from, which is the uh, West entrance Yellowstone. And it was just car after car after car for six minutes straight. Jeez. So like, I'm saying all that to say this, like when you see somebody post a big, you know, a big buck down or they're having a really good season, don't get all been out of shape about it because all you're seeing is all of the, you know, the, the glory, I guess, the, you know, just yeah. that one moment. Like for one thing, you don't know that person could have been hunting that area for five years straight and covered thousands and thousands of miles scouting. And like, you don't see the hard work put in behind some of this stuff, like with you and the podcast, everybody gets, you know, like an hour long podcast, but they don't see the two hours behind the scenes just to make every podcast actually come to fruition and probably even, longer than that in some cases especially with the audio messing up or having to reschedule and you know all these other you know things so it's just something to keep in mind you know when you see this big buck you know all you're seeing is that one little snapshot and not all of the other things you know that either people are having to deal with or you know what they're going through to kill those deer i think everybody looks at things through their own through their own filter you know and it's usually like the must be nice filter and i'm guilty i think i think a lot everybody's guilty of it right like like must must be nice to be able to get to hunt anytime you want you know how many people tell me that like must be must be hunting high fence yeah (laughs) yeah you ain't gonna look at many of my deer to know that i'm not hunting a high fence but must must be (laughs) feeding corn yeah i've gotten that before um must be nice to get to hunt whenever you want and it's like yeah but also like like i it was a lot of work to get my life set up this way i also you know severely uh skipped out on work today and didn't make any money because of it so yeah it's i yeah. mean it's it's nice i guess <laughs> but it has its own challenges right. and yeah and i always i turkey turkey season it's it's even worse believe it or not um turkey hunters are a cali they're a, a whole other breed um but i i put out a post at one one time probably a couple of years back just encouraging guys because man it's so easy to be pissed off when somebody you don't like kills a deer well you know what if that person yep. is a deer hunter chances are eventually they're gonna kill a deer so you gotta you just all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure if you are going to get upset about that kind of stuff. That's all you're doing. Yeah. And I'm preaching the daggone choir because yeah. I'm I'm guilty of yeah. it. 
you can't always compare yourself to what's going on in other people's situations because you're, you know, you can wear yourself down that way. You know, I know we're our own worst critic and we think we should be killing, you know, these monsters uh, like all these other people, but, you know, it that's not always the case, you know. Yeah, it's not. Know. It's not. I, I learned that, Mike, whenever uh, around the time that uh, you were a part of Southern Ground, um, we'll, we'll, we'll take a, a stroll down memory lane, if you will. Uh, I didn't ever really have a whole lot of hunting buddies. I never have had a whole lot of hunting buddies. Um, and I would say you're probably the first person that I hunted with on a regular basis, other than my dad. You know what I mean? Like, of course, my dad's my hunting buddy. Right. Um, but, like, as far as, like, sharing spots and or sharing pins and locations and, and you know, feeling confident and comfortable enough to do that with somebody else, you know, like that, I would say you were the first person that I that – I ever did that with and it kind of like uh kind of rekindled the which is really what we're doing with the southern collective with this new thing is it, it rekindled that like uh community aspect of hunting that i think is super important and you're a lot like i am dude and that that you you tend to it you, you're kind of drawn to 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 being a recluse in a during deer season does that make sense yeah yeah that that lone wolf mentality yeah do you think that that has affected like you think that has affected your hunting and and maybe been a been a cause for you getting into the kind of crap season that you were kind of in the last two years for for sure and i'm glad you even brought it up because i didn't even think about it um you know my work schedule was the biggest you know, reason why I hunted alone, you know, when I was off work, everybody else was at work. And when everybody else was hunting, I was stuck at the hospital. And so every single chance I got to go on a hunt with other people, God, I, I just enjoyed it so much, you know, so much more. You know, you had the camaraderie, you know, at, at camp, you know, everybody cutting up. I think that that makes hunting kind of special you know sharing it with somebody yeah uh, and you don't you don't get that when you're hunting by yourself no and man. it's not it's not necessarily because i wanted to now you know i don't mind going by myself you know the when we first got started with southern ground uh or when you did and i jumped on uh I can't remember, had I already gone to Kentucky or did I go that year by myself because I couldn't find anybody else to go? I think you went the year before we started hanging out. Um, yeah. You you had went that early season, like, just kind of, like, on a whim, I think. Yeah, well, I'd ask people to go, and, you know, it never fails. People will back out until they see that you're actually going to do it, and then they're like, what the crap? You know, I didn't think he was actually serious. And, and usually what, if you make that first step, like say, you know, you've got a group of friends. If everybody says that they want to go and then they back out eventually, if you just take that first step and go on a solo trip by yourself, 
after that, you can find people to go with you every single year you want to go. But you've got, sometimes you've got to make that first step. But back to the, you know, I do think it had a lot to, to do with, you know, me getting worn out, you know, by yourself. uh, There's no real, you know, hunt camp because it's just you. You're covering all this stuff. You're, you're one man, you know, trying to put all these pieces together where if you're with a group of people, um, you know, you can basically accumulate more man days in less amount of time because of what other people are seeing. Um, you know, you can put all of your heads together and come up with, okay, well, I saw this deer feeding on this this afternoon. You know, in, in your area, you may not have seen that because you weren't next to that food source or mm-hmm. somebody might say that, you know, I saw them bedding, you know, down low or up high or, you know, this or that, you know, it, it really helps out a lot when you're hunting with a group of people, a group of friends, yes. uh, more specifically that you can trust um, because not everybody you got to find a really good group that's willing to share information and not get bent out of shape about, you know, all of these small things. And I think that that goes a long way. Dude, it's, it's crazy how many people I have met. Well, you know, just today, um, today I, I found myself in a similar situation. It's a Monday and I work for myself, so I can kind of make my own schedule. And I'm trying to shoot this new bow and and get some reps with that. And I was like, man, it sure would be nice to have somebody here right now that I could just go shoot with and not have to do all this stuff by myself. But, um, you know, you get you kind of get used to that, just doing all this stuff by yourself. But nowadays, it's the same thing with online dating, man. Like, a lot of people are meeting online now. And, and in our, in our, our groups, kind of our niche style of hunting, um, most of the people I know who do what I do and hunt the way I hunt live in other parts of the state or maybe not even in this state. And so it's hard to, right. it's hard to find people that, that you can trust. And, uh, for whatever reason, it seems like most of those guys that I know are, are online. I, I will say there's a few local guys too, but, um, it is it's a true thing, man. Like being there and having that hunting buddy. Um, and I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm even there yet. I would like to have, um, more of those type of relationships because I think they're super valuable and they really do help you. They encourage you more than anything. And those points of the season where you're getting down and you want to just quit having good friends is a good thing. That's for dang sure. Well, and they, it can help you out because you get stuck in these same little ruts, you, you cling to things that you know and are knowledgeable about. And it's good to have a different, uh, different mindset, you know, when it comes to styles of hunting, I remember me and Nathan Pratt's, we, you'd have probably thought like we were like brother and sister or something like that, (laughs) or, husband and wife the way we went back and forth but i'll be honest i think we both took away a lot of different things by seeing how each other saw the woods 
differently. Um, I know there's, you know, a few things that I picked up that he was saying that he was doing, and I'm sure he did the same with me too. Um, because, you know, you just get stuck doing the same thing over again. And, you know, sometimes it may be successful, but sometimes not. And if you just have a different mind there to, uh, to point something different out, then, you know, it can go a long ways to, uh, help you grow as a hunter. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have any, any good leader, any good organization has a team behind it. Um, we can only do so much on our own. Uh, and I do respect the guys who are kind of the, the solo hunter kind of guys. Um, because that's a, that's a whole other mindset. The guys who can go out and do that consistently, um, it's impressive. But I think we, you miss out on a lot when you don't share this, stu- this stuff with other people. Uh, that's that's really, sure. you know, looking at the last few years of my hunting career, my hunting life, I guess, maybe three or four years, I've done a lot of hunting by myself. And I said it on an episode a couple weeks ago, like, those all those success stories they're great man i mean I, some of my biggest deer have been on like solo type hunts but the ones that really live live in my memory are the ones with other people dude i will never i will never forget when we were in kentucky and you shot that 6 point from the ground <laughs> i will never yeah, i'll never forget was, that trip it was it was our last day <laughs> and I can't remember if I, if I messaged you like after he came by, he came by like 10 yards and I was on the ground hunting and I was tucked in to the timber and I was like, Hey man, I was like a little buck and he was little, he was really little and I never would have shot him. I was like, Hey man, um, it's our last day. I was like, I just had like a little six point come by and I think you were like, Dude, shoot it. We have a we have like videos to produce. Like <laughs> we gotta have some content. And so I shot that deer. I was like, oh my gosh. I can't I still regret shooting that deer. Like I I just would not have ever shot I think, that deer. I think what happened, because I didn't I didn't have any service where I was at, where I was hunting at that day. I remember walking out and you saying that you had just shot one and you said, I think it's a little buck, and what I was like who the freak cares, dude? That's awesome, man. That's great. Uh, it was a, that was, I'll never forget though. Um, uh, the next day, uh, Adam came into camp and we freaking almost died from the lightning. Uh, and then Woodrow and, uh, Ammon came and tracked that deer for us. Like, it was just like a whole bunch of cool things yeah. that happened that would not have been that much fun without somebody else with us. You know what I mean? Right. I was, you know, I was thinking about that when I was passing through Kentucky and I thought about me, you and Tyler going up there. And do you remember his, uh, little video, like where he zoomed (laughs) in on his face (laughs) all it is, is his little mustache. And so we called him mustache Malone for a little while. Do you remember that? Uh, How could you forget that, man? That was freaking (laughs) hilarious. Um, I was thinking about that same, that same one because, uh, Matt Reeves, they're, they're up in Kentucky or they 
just got back from Kentucky yesterday, went and scouted, and uh, they they found a, a couple of really nice bucks, kind of like, uh, I mean, Tyler did too that same day. He found that freaking stud of a deer in there. Gosh, that was so yeah. much fun. It was a good trip. It was. Or the time that me, you, and him were supposed to get, what was it, two to four inches or three <laughs> to six inches of snow? <laughs> so we wake up, or no, we went and, and camped. We went and stocked up on food. You remember him? He bought like $50 worth of snacks at <laughs> Dollar General. And then we went to the lake house and camped that night, didn't we? And mm-hmm. then woke up really, really early. I mean, what was it like two o'clock in the morning and we're off and, and headed over to, to get there before, you know, daylight. And we may have seen like five flurries total going there and it didn't snow at all. (laughs) And we were so bummed. That was some good breakfast though. That morning. (laughs) (laughs) All of his $50 worth of snacks. We, uh, Dude, we no, dude. We went and got French toast. Oh, that's right. We went to that place. Uh, yep. What is it called? We well, we ain't naming it. We ain't gonna name it. My goodness. <laughs> oh, is this your first well, podcast, yeah. Mike? My I, my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> we did eat that, and then y'all are passed out. I've got uh, pictures or videos of both of y'all like snoring in my truck while I'm driving. I was out. Yeah. I was and then you out. passed out again once we got back to the lake. Yep. When we got back to the house, I think I went to sleep for another little... I don't think I ever actually... Did we even sleep that night before? I feel like we were up until like 2 o'clock. We may have been. I don't know. I know that I've got videos and pictures of both y'all sleeping for (laughs) a majority of the trip. I don't remember being in the truck much because I slept the whole time we were in the truck. Um, how How about the time that opening day... Uh, when I shot that doe and she didn't leave a dang drop of blood and, uh, you had walked in from the long route, walked down in there. We drug that deer out opening day and then you went off and, uh, and killed, I think you killed a doe from the ground later in that week. And the reason I remember those so much, man, is because like, those were some of my first experiences like dragging out a deer or another buddy coming into my spot and and helping me drag a deer out or me going in with a with a buddy into it one of his you know good spots and dragging a deer out you know that that was uh those are big moments it's like oh god i, I was wondering which one you're talking about you're talking about um back home yes yeah. we tracked oh my gosh yeah i came over there after that hunt and you're like, well, I shot it right here, like a freaking mile later is what it felt like. I'm just finding little drops of blood, like one every couple of hundred yards, it felt like it wasn't that much. I mean, but once we got to the deer, it was like there was blood everywhere. And what was it? The the arrow, it, it did something funny. It like, yeah. It, Went in, hit the front shoulder, and bounced back out or something. Yeah. You just switched those broadheads, didn't you? got the eBay version of these broadheads. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that I'll was never rough. forget that. That was the longest, dry, uh, longest drag ever. That was, ever. A, <laughs> that was a long drag. Yeah. 
I have uh, I, I shot a turkey over there close to that spot this year. Um, but that I want to say that was the last deer I shot right there. Um, because it's a long freaking drag. <laughs> you got to really want it. Yeah. And at that point, yeah, like that was the first deer I ever got on film. That was the first deer kill I ever filmed. So I, I was, I really wanted it that day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, man, that's a, uh, that's fun. Those are, those are some fun days. I mean, we need to do that again. Like you're sitting over here talking about sitting over here talking about like when you worked at the hospital, like I can hunt in the middle of the week, man. We need to make that happen more often. Yeah, Definitely. Well, I'm not working at the hospital currently, so I've got yeah. all the time in the world. Yeah. Uh, you want to go buy my? You want to go buy my storage unit back in Coleman, Alabama, and bring it way out here, out west somewhere. Bring your bow. Hey, listen, well, offline we'll have to talk about that because early season I may be around. Around. Um, I don't know how how long you plan on being gone. Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably. September, October, November, somewhere in that time frame. Nice. It just depends on, you know, how quick the fun runs out or how far my money is going to get me or, you know, those kinds of things. Are you finding yourself, I know you're sleeping in your truck or in your, in your vehicle a lot. Are you finding yourself, like, are you having to talk yourself out of getting a, a hotel room or has the camping been great? Um, no, I haven't. Ah, God. One of my first nights, uh, I made it to the Badlands there in South Dakota and uh, got up to this really, I mean, it's a beautiful overlook, and but it, you're on top of the freaking mountain, and I'm like looking off in the distance, and I see a little bit of lightning, so I pull up the radar, and <laughs> it says two-inch size hell and 60 plus mile per hour winds expected and i'm like well i was like this could get really interesting i swear it wasn't 30 minutes and i felt like i was in a car wash with you know how at the very end how the um like of course i mean you're just getting blasted with water but then all of a sudden the the dryers kick on and they're on each side and it's blowing your car from left to right. <laughs> and you just feel the whole thing shaking. Yeah. That's seriously what it felt like. And I was only 10 feet from the edge of like a, a 75 foot drop off. And I was like, I'm going to be a goner. Like it's raining. I'm on this slick, muddy dirt. And that wind is blowing so strong. It's just going to, I'm just going to start sliding. It's just going to blow me right off the, right off the cliff. Like that was the most interesting, uh, you know, piece. But other than that, I mean, it's really been pretty nice besides the mosquitoes and black flies. Um, you know, the biggest thing I'm wanting right now is a shower. Um, <laughs> so that's the plan. I'm supposed to go fishing with a guy. Yeah. I'm supposed to go fishing with a guy on Wednesday, fly fishing. And, uh, He's supposed to be up here in West Yellowstone and has a, a campsite reserved. And he invited me to come over, uh, stay tomorrow night. So we'll see 
if they have a uh, a shower there at the campground. I'm I'm thinking that they probably do since it's in Yellowstone. It's reserved. It's not going to be you know just a, a you know hole dug in the ground with a building around it. Yeah. So now is this just a is this just a plan to try to find a cute little western girl whose daddy's got some property? Is that what this is? <laughs> no, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. But, <laughs> uh no, this is this is just kind of, you know, just scratching that itch I had, you know, wanting to come back out here. There's a lot of states, you know, that I haven't been to. Uh, so I just wanted to get to to see everything. You never yeah. know how long you're going to you know, you never know how long you're going to live. Uh, don't know when your time's going to be up. So there's some, some more things I'd like to do to scratch off on the bucket list. So I that's kind of where we're at right now. I think the, uh, I think the, the mid two thousands frat boys came up with a phrase for that called YOLO. And uh, yes, YOLO. <laughs> you only live, you only live once. That's right. That's right. Uh, back in, back in our day, it was carpe diem. <laughs> seize the day seize the day that's right well man i do appreciate you coming on and, and just uh taking a little stroll down memory lane with me um man i appreciate all you did for southern ground in the past i look forward to seeing the things that you're going to do um in the future and man have a heck of a time living the dream it must be nice you know what i mean i appreciate it i appreciate it buddy and uh good luck with the new venture Hopefully it goes well for you. I know, uh, I know you're ready for it. So, I uh, wish you the best of luck. Heck yeah, man! Well, I appreciate it, buddy. All right, y'all. Well, <laughs> this is going to wrap up the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, and listening for the last like what, five years. We've been going. We've been going five years, and uh, a lot of episodes, a lot of really good guests, a lot of fun. I mean, it's been a blast. I've met a lot of listeners, uh, met a lot of people in general through doing this thing, and, and it's what really put us through uh, to making this decision to merge and, and start the Southern Collective. So, uh, action item for you. We are giving away a Bowtech CP28 fully loaded. Uh, we're going to give it away on August 1st on the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast feed. So go over there and make sure you're listening. On August 1st, we're going to announce the winner of the Bowtech CP28. So you guys go and check that out. Um, excited about the future. Again, thanks guys for listening. And uh, yeah, signing off for the last time. God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. Talk to you next time. Well, (laughs) I guess we won't. We'll talk to you on the Southern Collective. See you guys over there.